Hello, language enthusiasts, and welcome to The Language Worker, a space to talk about the people involved in the language business in a broad sense. I'm interested in finding out how their training, work experience, and their passion for languages has shaped our guests' professional and, of course, personal lives. Join me on this journey to explore the multiple and unpredictable paths one can follow when we are involved in the magical world of languages. I saw Emma's post on social media and I was really curious about her work. I started following her and had the impression that there was always more and more to see, so I kept going. Meet the witch of copywriting, Miss Jot Jot Boom herself. Recording in progress. Yes, so this is the lady. <laughs> <laughs> who gives us the sign so that we know that we are recording this. And here we are recording. Thank you so much, Emma, for being here. Uh, it's actually the first time that we're uh, talking, right? That we're video chatting. Yeah, first time we've met. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's our very first conversation. So this should be interesting. The thing is, like I always say, I try to talk to people that I have been stalking or following <laughs> now for quite a few months or years or so. And that's also your uh, your case. So I've been looking at your stuff, your work. It's just unbelievable, super original. At least that's what I think. <laughs> and so this is why I have been doing it over now, I'd say over a year or two, probably that. So I looked at your profile and I was a bit um, surprised when I saw that you actually studied English literature and languages, language and literature, right? So yeah. could you present yourself and start by talking a little bit about how you entered this language world? Yeah, for sure. So I think as with most writers, I've always been a lover of the written word Ever since I was a kid, I was one of those reading kids that would always get books for Christmas and birthdays or book vouchers. And I'd go to the kind of WH Smith, the uh, stationery chain in the UK and choose a book. So it was always something I've loved, always got good grades in it. So it just felt natural just through um, college and university to just stay studying English. I didn't have a plan. Um <laughs> I, I kind of figured you can use English for most careers. So at that point, okay. I was just like, do what you like, do what you're good at, do what you know, and then kind of hopefully you'll figure the rest out later on, which of course I absolutely didn't because I graduated into <laughs> the, sure you I think it was the 2008 or 2009 recession that I graduated mm -hmm. into and it was impossible to find work anywhere. Mm -hmm. So I ended up working at Starbucks and saving for a master's. And I went back to my same university in London and did um, creative and professional writing mm -hmm. as a master's. And they would take us through several different writing disciplines from script writing to different forms of fiction, journalism, uh, becoming a writer in residence was one of them which is incredibly specific now I think back on it um I think it's because the lecturer who took that particular module had been writer in residence for the London Science Museum mm. so he was like this is how to be a writer in residence and I thought <laughs> well that's wonderful but I'll never use that um and even then I still didn't know that I could work as a copywriter that wasn't covered at all under any of these 
incredibly specific modules mm-hmm. about being a children's fiction author or mm-hmm. you know a journalist at the the financial times and stuff i was like well i'm never going to do any of that mm-hmm. yeah there's that disconnection in most situations between what you do in college and then what you actually have in real life and sometimes yeah, we even it, feel like oh my god what kind of career am i gonna have none of this it all just felt way too difficult mm-hmm. i i was just wasn't competitive enough to be a journalist or so I thought at the time um, and I didn't have enough good ideas to be an author but I knew I wanted to get paid to write because it's one of the things that I'm naturally good at and I just feel like you should it, where possible mm-hmm. um, always do what you're good at so yeah eventually I ended up taking a customer service role but as part of that I kind of had pitched myself to to the very small company at the time. Mm. They were an e-commerce company and I was like, I've just finished a writing degree. Look at this blog that I've written. And at the time, mm. blogging was a big thing. Yeah. I was like, I've got this blog that I've done myself and um, I can write you a newsletter and I could even write the website. So they kind of got a two for one. And then mm. gradually I was like, no, I need to make writing my career. And eventually I kind of became a copywriter and things went from there really so you but, made yourself um, necessary and available at the same oh, time oh yeah <laughs> yeah you, you're hiring a customer service person which was but one of the worst jobs i've ever had i am not made for customer service i'm so irritable and um <laughs> i just get enraged instantly if someone has messaged me first message they've taken a tone oh my goodness <laughs> Uh, it was a real struggle that is when you need a good command of language when you're working in customer service (laughs) and because certain words and phrases are instantly inflammatory aren't they so (laughs) I needed to get out of that job and move more towards the writing and they gave Mm -hmm. me more creative media yeah um the newsletter the website and I kind of then was able to build a portfolio to take to an actual copywriting job and say I've been doing all of this I've written print adverts and whatnot um can you please hire me and luckily I managed to get into a job (laughs) yeah where they were happy to train me as well as a junior so Mm. they were kind of teaching me the principles of marketing as I was going along which was just fantastic I adored that job Mm. um so So much so that I had to go freelance afterwards because I was never going to work for anyone else (laughs) Well, I know that. We'll get there in a minute. So uh, in that case, was this when you worked in fashion? Was this the e-commerce company you were mentioning? Um, no, the the one that I absolutely adored was a an online print company called Printed.com. Mm. And they were quite, they were B2B facing, so more mm. angled towards creatives and printers who needed to outsource their their work rather than kind of direct to consumer like mm. your good prints and your Vista prints and yes. whatnot. <laughs> um, but they they were kind of like the young fun version. So mm-hmm. I got to just have a lot of fun with their tone of voice, and it was very relaxed and it was very playful and um and quite tactile writing as well. So whenever they would get new paper samples in, they needed to be able to d- describe how the ink would sit on that specific paper. So if, if it had a coating, the ink would sit on top, so it would be a lot more vibrant, a lot more crisp. The colours would be uh, a lot bolder. But if it was an uncoated paper and the ink would sink in, then you would get a more muted, softer kind of finish. And if they were pearlescent papers and whatnot. So like... <laughs> 
getting to kind of I would have these samples and I'd kind of be up close and I'd be touching them and I'd be kind of thinking of ways to describe the fibers and and the kind of texture mm. of it and it was very um sensorial um and it allowed for a lot of creative language just in that about sense. paper about paper <laughs> I mean it's Fedragoni paper so it is Ooh. the king of the papers but oh, if you say so <laughs> I never cared about paper before that job but yes. ever since I'm there touching them and I'm like oh yeah that's 200 GSM uncoated that one oh I see it's like the Egyptian yeah. cotton for sheets I see <laughs> It's very yeah. fancy in the States, they say. Yeah, you learn to kind of identify the premium huh. paper stocks on site. Hmm. So you got so expired, uh, inspired, not expired. I, expired. No, definitely not expired. That you decided to go freelance and started yeah. doing your own thing just like that. Yeah, well, I was the only writer at that company because they were quite small and I'd been there for about five years. Mm. And when I started, I was writing for a portfolio of companies that they had they had this instagram wrapping paper company that was like a really fun like all the influencers were using it and stuff and it was like connected to your instagram so i was writing for that as well and then i was writing for good print which was more writing that needed to be suitable for translation across many different languages mm -hmm. and it was quite direct quite straight quite... so I was able to kind of bend and flex my skills a lot at the beginning but towards the end of my tenure uh, at the five-year mark I was only writing for one I couldn't climb any higher because I was mm -hmm. the only writer mm -hmm. and so I was like I need a challenge and I'm the kind of person who is so incredibly comfortable with just being handed the marching orders and then just doing that job and I thought no. like, I can't allow myself <laughs> to do this I, don't I need to see you. <laughs> no it's true um I, I I just needed to see what I could achieve if I was on my own and there was nobody telling me what to do so that's why I did it and it was Ugh. trial by fire because I had nothing I just started but you had a lot um, of knowledge from working with companies and yeah but not a lot of confidence and i think that hmm. in order to use what you know you have to have the kind of balls to go out there and ask for what you want or to you know march in and say i've got this experience i'd be fantastic give me the opportunity like if you do, if you secretly don't think you're good enough mm -hmm. i think it comes across <laughs> in little tells and hesitant language and Hmm. I see you as yeah. super confident. I'm like watching your videos and all that stuff. And I'm always wondering because I don't know what it means. Maybe it's some British thing that everybody knows, but I don't know. So you chose for the name of your company. I have to read Jot Jot Boom. Is that yeah. how it goes? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I chose that because a couple of the other name ideas I liked had already been taken. Mm -hmm. And I wanted something that was a little bit snappy and had a bit of attitude and yeah, you know when you complete something <laughs> yeah and you're like boom it's done like yeah. oh, so I just thought jot jot I don't know you know it was so long ago now and I mm, can't so is that a matter of sound this jot jot part or does it mean something jot like to write mm. so it would be kind of you know writing and then boom it's done mm, results I are yours see. Hmm. So this is when you started your blog or did you continue this blog you had started years and years ago? Because oh, I know no. you have a blog, right? So what's the story with this current blog? 
So the the current blog that I'm running has gone through a lot of different iterations. Um, it started out as being a way for me to kind of, it was an inbound marketing tool and I was using it just to be so playful and it's massively backfired on me <laughs> over the years. So I wrote a blog post about collective nouns because I'd picked up a book called An Unkindness of Ravens and it was all about collective nouns for animals. And I just loved the idea because they're so delightful. And so I wrote a blog post listing out some of my favorite collective nouns for animals, like a cauldron of bats and a kaleidoscope of butterflies and a mm. thunder of hippos. And I thought it was so funny. Mm. And now, several years down the line, I'm the number one result on Google for cauldron of bats and it gets me so much traffic every month and it's useless traffic. Oh, I see. They're not, they're not actually looking for you, right? No, they just want to know what's a, is it cauldron of bats? And yeah. I, this is not the first time I've done that. I wrote a blog post on um, 2000s slang that we need to bring mm -hmm. back. And I was kind of like, what are some of the things in that biatch? Yeah. And, <laughs> um scrubs like and I wrote this whole like really funny post and yeah it's page one of google now it gets me thousands of hmm. that's how results. you operate huh <laughs> in this it's twisted way yeah, but it's all useless traffic <laughs> I've got a, a blog post on cockney rhyming slang which does very well for me um one on old english insults which oh. got forty thousand views last year because of a Christmas film that Apple brought out called Spirited that's mm -hmm. got a song in it called Good Afternoon. And they are kind of, they've obviously they're basing it on a Christmas carol. Uh -huh. So they're kind of singing a song about how in Dickensian England, Good Afternoon's an insult. So on Christmas Day, everybody heads to Google, is Good Afternoon an insult? They hit my blog and um, completely oh. useless so over the years i've kind of learned to stop writing my own blog posts because i'm only damaging my own seo and who else could do it yeah <laughs> i mean if, if you're gonna fail do it spectacularly that's what i say um so I now i only post my videos fail, right <laughs> yes, just my videos on the, the blog videos because you have a YouTube channel, yeah. which I sometimes visit. And I was telling you before that I visited um, uh, your channel exactly at a time where you decided that we people uh, who follow you and enjoy your work should work with you. <laughs> you <laughs> gave us that chance. How did that come to your mind? <laughs> um, I actually think I stole the idea. Quite a few people do work mm. with me videos. And I just thought it was so lovely um, and charming. So I was just like, yeah, why not? You know, just set up a camera, film myself working. I have to cut the audio out because I do talk to myself a lot when I'm working. Um, so I have to kind of place some calming music over the top so I'm not disturbing anyone as I kind of chatter away to myself. Um, but yeah, I just thought it would be a really nice idea. But people tend to really respond well to the videos that are more personal. Mm -hmm. um, the day in the life of videos where I kind of take the camera around and show people what I'm doing. When I show people my inside my work bag and inside my work diary, people just love to see. 
I think it's just mm. that human nature, the curiosity, isn't it? Yes, so it I have to say, I did work with you for that hour. <laughs> Good, I'm glad. I did it. You had your headphones on and I'm like, okay, am I supposed to do the same? <laughs> so like, I do it anyway, What's everyone right? else doing? <laughs> so I am guilty. I did that. Uh, but you have other sorts of content where you actually interact uh, yeah. with the camera, let's say that. And so what kind of things do you write about and what comes to your mind? Or is it scripted? Is it more natural? Well, they, they feel natural, but I'm sure there's some thought before you post them. <laughs> yeah. You, right. <laughs> Yeah, but you wouldn't know it to watch the videos. Right, I, I do kind of, <laughs> I do structure them, mm. and I've got kind of um, headers and kind of notes that that I go through uh, of things I want to touch on. And to be honest, I could be a lot more scripted and concise with it. I have to cut so much out in the edit because I end up going off on tangents that are completely. It's true that you talk a lot, so, and I like that. That's why I watch it. <laughs> some chap recently in the comments was like this is a great video but it could have been shorter <laughs> and I was like oh wow what a compliment <laughs> thanks for watching at least he left a comment I get the engagement off of that so I can't be too angry yeah, um that's true. but yeah I do script them some of them are based on questions that I get sent which mm. was supposed to be the premise of the channel mm. was answering questions that I'm regularly asked but I don't get asked enough questions to facilitate the mm. uh the format so I tend to just take things that I've been asked um, just in conversations or in private chats or things that regularly come up. And I think, okay, there's a need for this mm. because um, I've been out there on the internet long enough now to kind of have established myself as someone who is happy to help. So that means that I do get a lot of people coming to me in my direct messages on LinkedIn or Twitter asking for advice and although yeah. I would love to be able to help everybody and kind of coach everyone through there's just simply not enough time so if I've if, if I've got an existing video I'll help them out by sending those mm. and if I don't I'll be like okay well that's where there's space for more content um and obviously YouTube analytics will show me what's doing well and then I can kind mm. of guide the content according to that but sometimes the most random stuff <laughs> does well mm. um and i just at times like that i just think it's impossible to predict like some videos that i've sat on for a while because i think they're a bit crap and not very good <laughs> and then i put them live and people just love it yeah, because it's like I'm not talking about the crap ones because i don't know what you mean i've never seen oh. one so <laughs> but I the like truth that. is that you write you write you talk about your writing things you put your tips out there to say you should do this you should do that i did this and it worked for me and blah 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 but then you have a lot of things that are not specifically about the the work that you do necessarily but they can be applied to other freelancers and that's what i thought it was so interesting because like hmm. so you kind of have an overview of what the freelancing life is like for for everybody out there that it's uh, going down that path right Mm, yeah, people have a lot of questions. Obviously, before you go freelance, you kind of want to know what it's going to be like, what you can expect, what you need to do to get ready for it, because it's mm. very much a mindset shift as well. And it does require an incredible amount of tenacity and resilience. And I just wanted to give a candid glimpse as to my experience and kind of how what based on that 
what I would recommend you do to get your ducks in a row before you mm-hmm. launch into it. And yeah, I did, handling difficult clients or mm-hmm. making sure that you're earning enough and how to have those discussions and serious stuff. To, huh? <laughs> yeah, just the basics, you know. Right. Yeah, just I just want to make sure no one's getting taken advantage of because mm-hmm. I, you know in conversation with a lot of young freelancers I hear things that make me furious so I want to make sure that people know that there are clients out there who will try and take the mickey and Mm. will push your boundaries and how you can be prepared for that and how you can have those conversations and how you can set yourself up in such a way that you you can deter people from even trying Mm -hmm. yeah for sure. I hear you. That's that's what I felt <laughs> when I okay. heard you. So yes. So talking a little bit more about your specific line of work, <laughs> as they say. So you focus a lot on something that is probably how the whole thing started, which is music, right? So I guess I, I, I think when I think about you, I think that your speciality is actually uh, copywriting for music clients. So what are music clients? Um. So I've got a couple of different flavors of music client. Um, I've written for music marketing agencies, helping Mm -hmm. them with their press releases and their blog content, because there's a lot of really interesting shift going on in the music industry at the moment with regard to the artists themselves taking back control of their music, of how it's produced, how it's distributed. I mean, historically, they've been... Basically, I think we can say, give or take in most circumstances, entering into slave contracts where they're under crippling terms. They don't earn anything. The tour schedules are ridiculous. They don't even own the masters to their own music. Mm -hmm. Um, And nowadays, there's a lot more indie companies that are giving them kind of a pick and mix approach to to management and to producing and they're able to do what Matt Heafy from Trivium has done and get onto Twitch and he streams his practices and he makes more money from Twitch now than he actually makes from Trivium. Um, There's lots of bands that have side projects so it's a really exciting time to kind of be looking at them and seeing Mm -hmm. what they're doing because bands like Bring Me The Horizon were still putting out music through the pandemic. They were producing it all themselves over Zoom, Mm -hmm. they were recording it in in cupboards full of egg boxes they were filming the videos themselves they were kind of still going ahead and kind of showing the industry how outdated it is so Mm. yeah working with agencies to kind of talk on topics around that which is very interesting to me Um, but also music journalism as well and getting to explore the connection between two of my most favorite love languages horror films and metal music there is so much crossover it's crazy um so much crossover and so it's it's really nice to get to kind of delve into the themes and talk about you know movie soundtracks Mm -hmm. and um metal stars that have been in horror films or directed horror films Mm and is that yeah, a common the... situation? Is... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Rob oh. Zombie from Rob Zombie, previously of White Zombie fame, he is a director of horror films now. He did two Halloween films. 
Um, he's currently just released the uh, Monsters film. And he also did a couple of other films, uh, like a trilogy of three horror films back in the day as well. So mm. he's a very well-known horror director and musician. Right. He's like, he's one of those unicorns that can really do it all. But yeah, there's a lot of crossover. And luckily, mm. my incredibly niche subject matter knowledge <laughs> is useful in those situations. Yes, now that you mention, actually, I was invited to a premiere of the very first, and it was a short, not a, a full-blown movie, uh, zombie uh, movie ever made in Portugal. And now that I'm thinking about it, the first part was actually by Moonspell, probably our best um, known, more international uh, metal band that oh, we have. Cool. So yes, that totally makes sense. Yeah, there's so much it. crossover. Yeah. Glenn Danzig from Misfits has made probably one of the worst horror films hmm. of all time. That's probably a good thing. <laughs> oh, I love it. It's dreadful <laughs> <thought> so. <laughs> and I'm obsessed with it. So you um, like real gore stuff or... Yeah, but also just unnecessary nudity, <laughs> nonsensical stories. Hmm. None of it makes sense. It's awkward to watch. <laughs> there are times when you just feel bad for the actor because the mm -hmm. shot is lingering and they don't know what to do. <laughs> and it hasn't been cut out and it's just left in there it's it's awful and i love it <laughs> hmm. so you have a lot of material to to write about and to oh yeah yeah <laughs> absolutely um which is really it's i know that people say you shouldn't necessarily monetize all your hobbies but i think when it comes to things like film and music there's so much that i get excited to discuss it's mm. nice to have an outlet so i can almost siphon off some of that energy um and get paid for it which is yeah you do everything at the same time having fun getting paid <laughs> all of it <laughs> yeah but it it can it can be a real um it, it's not necessarily profitable because i'll put twice <laughs> as much time and energy into I that <laughs> because i want it to be perfect yeah. and um and i'm only being paid like the rates are not good <laughs> for journalism compared to copywriting so mm -hmm. um it's not profitable it is a labor of love mm -hmm. yes of course i mean sometimes you gotta do what you gotta do and sometimes it's just because of love i know exactly so you still do i know you used to do it I'm not sure you still do it you still have that service where you do some consultancy for mm. people the witching hour yes let's get into the witching part of things <laughs> yes. But yeah, first the consultancy, yes. <laughs> yeah, well, as I was saying earlier, I do get approached by a lot of people who are kind of um looking for help and advice. And I mean, for those that can afford it, it is nice to kind of be able to say, "All right, here's a questionnaire. Tell me everything that you want. I'm going to go away and research and kind of put together something for you. And then we can come on a call and, I'll, you know, I can probe around a bit more and talk you through an action plan because I am the kind of person that just wants to come in and take control of your life <laughs> and tell you what to do. I mm -hmm. always feel that life would be so much easier if I could just control everyone. So it, it? <laughs> it's quite nice when someone's like, look, I'm really stuck. I'm just starting out or I've kind of come to a place in my journey where I'm not sure where to go. Like, what should I be doing? And I'm like, oh, I'm glad you asked. Here's an entire 12 step plan based oh. on everything you've ever done in your life. 
Um, so there's a lot of mixing uh, work and pleasure and all of that stuff. <laughs> Again, yeah. My need for ultimate control. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and I'll just kind of give them a ton of resources and kind mm-hmm. of talk them through because sometimes they're not even necessarily more junior than me they are writers or freelancers who are of the same level as me but mm. because they are within their business yeah. and within they their want, situation like a fresh look. there's no objectivity as mm-hmm. to what they should be doing and sometimes it takes someone like-minded to be like oh I see where <laughs> what you're trying to do yeah have you considered this and sometimes it's just even as much as them saying, oh, I would like to be able to kind of work less and earn more. And for me to turn around and say, okay, well, h- how much are you charging? Uh-huh. And then when they tell me, I'm like, well, that's the problem. <laughs> you need to put your rates up immediately. Um, and you must feel good solved. to give that kind of advice, right? <laughs> like, just, just. Well, it's one of those things that's easier <laughs> said than done, isn't it? Yes. You have to have the confidence to be able to pitch at that rate mm-hmm. without you immediately going in with a discount. Times. Yes, how to go about it and how to talk yeah. to your existing clients and all of that stuff. So I guess, yes, it's true. I mean, <laughs> that's what I've, I've done most of my professional career is to discuss rates with people <laughs> while yes. working for companies. So that was the bulk of my job for the last nine years or so. So, yes, I, I understand that it's it's much harder than it than it seems. Like you don't know how, what to say, it's how hard. to introduce the subject. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just a matter of kind of I have mine written on a on a postcard and I've got them on a cork board opposite my desk so I'm and always you have looking them at them somewhere because I've I've it called my attention because they were in your website or somewhere but I saw them. Yep, I've got your them basic on my rates, website. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um and I also have them written down in front of me every day so the more I look at them the less scary they become. <laughs> Um, and also knowing what you're going to say if somebody pushes back um, it's kind of nice to have answers ready to go like that rationale but also I just get really like I was saying before I get really kind of protective over my fellow freelancers because Mm. we're the ones who set the bar for what we're worth in in our line of work and you know if we all have the confidence to pitch what I would consider to be the national benchmark according to studies done by pro copywriters Mm. within our industry um then we all benefit and if someone's taking lower than they should I just think babe don't do that because sometimes people just don't know how to come up with those numbers (laughs) sometimes they just need someone to be like everyone else is charging higher than you and you think Mm. you're winning by being (laughs) discount but you're cheating yourself out of a decent living. So please don't do that. Yeah. So what I what I really like about you is, <laughs> is how open you are about everything, I think, right? At least whatever you want us to feel like you are open about. And yeah. so um, I knew you liked your metal. I knew you liked uh, horror movies, all of that, just by uh, watching the videos that I've been watching and reading your stuff and all of that. But there is one thing that we do have in common, more so than the musical side, because I'm more of a, a pop girl, a Madonna fan. <laughs> oh, I do love pop. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, right. I was raised on Madonna, so I feel you. Yes, who wasn't? That was one of the best parts of, of course, you're much younger than I am, but still. 
Um, so I became a Madonna fan when I was 10 and my whole life has been, you know, around that. And, uh, of course I go off in tangents and I, I listen to a lot of, um, uh, Tibetan mantras, for example, and things like that. So that's my other well, mine Madonna was Spice Girls because I was um I was a young kid in yes, the in were. the nineties, so Spice Girls was it came around at the right time, and I was like, I'm yes. going to be the Spice Girls when I grow up, and I like to think I've kind of done that in some in yes, some way. I, I think you have actually. <laughs> Gothic Spice, yes, a little bit for sure. <laughs> so, but there's one thing that we do have in common, and it's like undeniable, and. Looking at your uh, the, the like the um, the covers of your uh, posts in your blog, for example, I saw a lot of uh, tarot cards and things like that. So, what's the place of all of this in your mystical life? I, I think I initially I'd mentioned it to someone that I was into that, and immediately people in my freelance circle were immediately intrigued and wanted mm. to know more and they were kind of everyone I'd spoken to had kind of dabbled in that mm. um but wanted to know more so I was like okay I'm safe to talk more about this and again I think it goes back to that conversation around mindset and creating routines and environments in which you feel creative but also you feel confident and it's also about feeling as though you have some measure of control hmm. because i i know that there's going to be people out there that you know are like oh you think you can see the future and <laughs> you think that you're sabrina the teenage witch or something and i just think no if i'm able to you know smell lavender and feel relaxed even if mm -hmm. it's a placebo doesn't yes. matter if I feel relaxed then it's worked and I have taken an action to do something for myself because I've recognized that I feel stressed and that in itself is great doing a series of things to help you kind of to help yourself so I feel like magic kind of feeds into my freelance career in in that sense you know if I I like to pull a tarot card for what's my freelance focus for the month of exactly you know. like me. <laughs> yeah. And even if it, you know, it's not telling me the future, mm. but like if I get a card like the Empress, I'll be like, all right, well, how can I approach this month mm. in feminine power and energy? Yeah. Who, who in, you know, femme or female presenting that I know needs nurturing or needs a hand up and so i'm kind of approaching things with a different view which is really nice it helps keep things fresh it helps sharpen my awareness to different things and um it's just a much nicer way to go about things i think i i find it really helpful and if i've got a kind of question i'll get out you know my pendulum or my tarot cards and i'll be like i'm kind of stuck and then it almost gives you a new framework in which to view the situation and helps you work through it that way and i think that's quite nice also like journaling is definitely mm -hmm. magic somehow <laughs> yeah for sure <laughs> and even if you've got a problem and you pull a tarot card and then you journal around the theme of that card mm -hmm. i find that quite helpful and also i guess you could call it basic potion work when you brew a cup of tea if you have <laughs> chamomile tea with honey that's kind of 
you've created a herbal potion haven't you really Mm -hmm. if you put cinnamon in your coffee you've made a little kind of spicy energetic rocket fuel or something and if (laughs) if you're doing it all the while with an intention of like i'm going to drink this and it's going to make me feel you know energized and ready Mm -hmm. then you've kind of done that work Mm -hmm. even blessing your glass of water will actually change the way that you drink it and how you feel about it is just insane. Exactly. <laughs> or yeah. like having crystals around your desk oh, space. Yes. <laughs> Even if they're not mystical, you know, from the thing, they make you feel a certain way when you mm-hmm. look at them and you like them. That's enough, yeah. you yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly my approach. I mean, I, I also, I use all of that for everything. <laughs> Whenever I feel like just, it just comes to me that I should go there and ask them whomever they are. <laughs> Yeah. And for something will come up. It doesn't matter what it is. And then mm. it, sometimes it's just for you to, to shift that, like you say, state of mind and just go into something completely different. Start thinking about something you hadn't been thinking before. Mm. So I'm with you on that. So or I like, find it amazing that you do all this uh, like in front of people because why wouldn't you, right? And it's just Yeah, well, I mean, there's are. people out there. Don't get me wrong. There's people out there. But the way I see it, there's always people out there. Do you know what I mean? You can do yeah. anything. There's always going to be somebody who wants to sit there from their armchair, someone that's not doing anything, in fact, mm-hmm. and wants to look at you and what you're doing and kind of have something to say about it. But I just think... And you have to you know? help them have something to think about, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm here. I like, exist oh. to, to provide something for them to be angry at. And that's my role in life. Yeah, the, um, our role in life is to be ourselves so that people can just, you know, sometimes we just poke them and we just provoke them a little bit and they have to do something about it or else they just feel so uncomfortable. But that's already something. So that's that's my philosophy. You have to be who you are. That is your job in life is to be That's the only thing you can do as well. I mean, what's the alternative? I don't know. People try to be somebody else in circumstances and in places and they just try to hide behind those whatever masks they think they're wearing. I guess that's what they say, right? But it's just, I never understood what that means. And I think you're with me on on that. Mm. I also felt that nobody else was, was doing that. So it was something that I could own and it has kind of led to a lot of other uh, jobs which I was hoping it would within mm-hmm. that kind of sphere um, mm-hmm. one of my friends who runs LinkedIn for humans and also freelancer magazine uh, Sophie mm-hmm. Cross yes last year she sent me a link to a magazine called Witchology magazine and she mm-hmm. was like I don't know if you've heard of this it's really cool I think I've seen like your posts it. about all of that <laughs> yeah and I was like oh I should pitch to them in 2023 I'll put that on my list of goals that I want to do and I'll think of something really cool and I'll go in hot and I'll pitch them lo and behold before Christmas they reached out to me looking oh, wow. for a music music feature editor Mm. to come on board with them um permanently to help them with the magazine and so like what a dream I was able to come in there to talk about music as it pertains to witchcraft Mm -hmm. so that's kind of a bit of a dream come true really Hmm. so you just put it out there in your own mind your friend thought about it you thought about it and then yeah I was like even before acting yeah I I, I was able to respond to the editor-in-chief and, and tell her, I actually have on my list of things to do next year to pitch you, and you've beat me to it by several months. So it's fated, it must mm-hmm. be. I guess this is the most inspired way for us to just end our conversation. <laughs> A positive note. Yes, for sure, because I really, the idea is to show people that us people working 
with language, in language, whatever you want to call it, just have great lives. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes we're very happy because we do what we want. And so we get we... to live the art yes, it's true. that we do. Yeah. Yeah. We love it. We live it. And we, we just ourselves trying to work on what we love because we feel that we are at our best in those moments. Right. Agreed. Yes. Well, thank you so much. This was amazing. I've wanted to talk to you for a long time. <laughs> oh, thanks for having so me. It's been really it's fun. finally happened. And I'm sure everybody will enjoy this conversation because you're great. And I'll continue to follow your work and your tips and watch your videos, co-work oh. with you online. Who knows? And uh, yeah, look into that again. <laughs> Thank Hi. you so much. And I really, really appreciate it. I think it was a great conversation and I cannot wait to see what else you're going to put out in the world, more witchy oh. or less. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me. Thank okay. you. Thank you so much. Thanks.